As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm here, so... <laughs> I'm Shea Good Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat them together? Everybody tells okay. him to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw. Like. <laughs> Howdy, I, I'm a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Good. Very good. I like the hat. You like oh, the yeah. hat? <laughs> Vava. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays is my good friend, Michele Barrett. Michele, oh, what's up? Well, um, I hope that my voice come through okay, because I'm in a very <laughs> weird setting. Um, <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, okay. Uh, I can have Kids Invasion in, like, at any point yes. during the podcast. Yes. So it's um, one of those nights. <laughs> I understand, man. Um, I've had my kids invade the podcast more than once, so you're allowed for that to happen as well. Uh, so a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, down to Dunk Night uh, is, is filling up fast. There's talks of maybe even opening up some more slots. Uh, we have more than double the amount of people signed up this year than last year. Wow. Um, I even got a text this morning saying that we might need to have two separate pictures. That may, maybe not everybody's even going to fit in the picture on the court, uh, which I say, no, we got to all get in the picture. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll actually see how that can actually happen and show the Thunder logo. At the same time, maybe we won't be able to. Who knows? Uh, but you can still get some tickets are still available. I don't know if they're going to open any more up or not, but uh, you better act fast on that. And also... We are not hosting an event at Bar K on Wednesday. That's not happening. So do not show up to Bar K. Well, you can still go to Bar K if you want. But don't expect us to be there. We are pushing that event to January. 
there were some logistical reasons for us uh, moving that date. Uh, we are sad that we have to move it and uh, really did not want to, but we uh, ended up needing to move it. So look out for more details on a potential uh, new date for that, for a watch party and a probably a live podcast too um, at Bar K. So uh, now... The, uh, the Thunder, if you haven't seen, if you've been living under a rock, the starting five were on the cover of Slam Magazine today that was released. They also did like a little video for the interview for Slam Magazine, which was pretty funny, uh, pretty good. It's kind of cool seeing those five interact in that kind of setting. Giddy was probably the quietest with J-Dub and really Shay was the loudest of all of them. Like it was really the, was the most vocal of any of them, and then Dub, and then Chet, and then probably Giddy and Dort. Uh, they kind of peppered each person with some questions in this hmm. interview. You would have been really proud of whoever this was from Slam interviewing them because he just his time with Dort. He basically just spent criticizing his jump shot. <laughs> like, why don't you hold a follow through? Like what's why are you flat footed? Why don't you care about the fundamentals of your jump shot? <laughs> are the things that was he, that hard? Yeah, he asked those questions to him, or no, wow. he said the foundation of his jump shot, not the fundamentals. Like your foundation of your jump shot, you're flat footed. Why why don't you do those things? And Dort was like, I don't think I agree with you. I mean, it was really kind of a <laughs> a funny one. They asked like who who would win King of the Court. Um, you know, there's some fun questions. And then, like, the full interview in the magazine, or I guess it's online. Can you buy a, can you buy a physical copy of Slam still? Um, I bet you can. And they asked about, like, Giddy, and they, they called Giddy uh, White. What did they call him? Something about, oh, my gosh. They, they talked about how Josh Giddy basically is, like, one of the reasons that they can operate the way that they do. And they all just vanilla magic is what they called him. Um, so it was very interesting. It's cool. It's cool seeing those five on the cover of Slam. I quote tweeted it saying that it feels like 2010 again, uh, and it kind of does with this group. That there's there's probably an uh, I don't even know if it's unreasonable amount of hype. There's just a lot of hype about this group, and I I think deservingly so. Yeah, the hype is uh, completely out of control. Um, I mean, it's it's all Chet's fault to me. <laughs> Chet and J-Dub. They, I mean, if you look at the preseason that Dort had or Giddy had or even Shea, I mean, you can say, yeah, they look ready. Yeah. They look okay. Uh, well, Shea had a, an, like an incredible summer, which adds to the hype. But it's Chet. Like, I had... I mean, not questions, but when when he played summer league, I was saying to myself, "Well, it's isn't a isn't a bit too rusty? Like the jump shot looked like looked better in the past, mm-hmm. and now this fourth preseason game, I'm not sure how they will project in the future. But the point is that we saw exactly or almost exactly what he did against Utah in in that game in summer league two years ago." Yeah. Uh, uh, one year ago, well, well, anyway, that summer league game um, against NBA talent. Yeah. So, I mean, how can you not be like excited or hyped yeah. about this? And there is J Dub. 
Yeah. We saw him in that one game this year, mm-hmm. again, in the Jet Summer League, and he's playing preseason exactly at that level. Yep. Which it's pretty I mean, absurd. It's an absurd group. They're they're extremely talented. We need to find out if they can hit like the same level, like the heights of talent that um the heights of talent that guys like Kevin and Russ did here. Mm-hmm. I think James obviously was not at the peak of his powers with this team. Where you could say like, yeah, like J Dub and you know, Shea has already surpassed what what he's done here, but I think they can near what Russell was, at least in the early eras, but Kevin was just a different kind of player. And some of that is just his body. And like that's where mm-hmm. kind of Chet steps in. It's like, can Chet be that kind of player? Like maybe he can. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of theoretical depth at this point that we need mm-hmm. to see what it looks like. I feel like we think we know what this will look like we haven't even seen these five play an actual game yet. Like play meaningful basketball with possessions as they will look in the regular season. Because the way Shea played in the preseason was not how it's going to look in Chicago. Like not even close to how it's going to look in Chicago. Shea is one of the best players in the league, period. And he kind of allowed the other guys to get touches and get comfortable and he played a very small role in the preseason. That will not be the case when the regular season opens in Chicago Friday night against the Cavs. It will be different. And so I'm I'm so curious to see how everything falls into place with this group. Um, but the the talent level is undeniable. It's the it's the team. This is the team that if you got to choose to be an NBA fan of any young team like this is this is it this is the one I think every I think like Pistons fans and Rockets fans everybody kind of look over the thunder and just feel like jealous like ah like that that should be us like we should be especially Pistons fans like we should be at that level already like we should be that team going into this season and the thunder have have suddenly found themselves in a place where they are that team and it's extremely extremely exciting let's uh Let's answer some questions. I have a ton of them, a ton of them that we're going to try to get through. Uh, we'll start with one from a, uh, a familiar handle, a longtime listener at 405 Fan. He says, Chet had a pretty dominating preseason. J-Dub was right behind him. If those two are as good as it seems like they can be this year, feels like both can be in the 18 to 20 point per game, on really high efficiency. Plus, Giddy keeps getting better. Does that push the timeline forward at all? Um, it depends on the timeline you're thinking about. If um, if you think about a timeline where maybe you get into a little bit of a tighter rotation, where you play every game and you try to extract the value on on each games, like if the Thunder go somehow, and I don't think that that will happen, 10 and two, mm-hmm. and you are playing to go for 50, you probably play a little bit of a different rotation compared to what you do if you are, I don't know, something like eight and four or eight and five, something like that, which is still very good, but also in par with what you want to do, like having a winning record and developing a lot. 
if somehow you find an eight nine man rotation that is a killer then i think that you push it a little bit too hard a little bit not too hard a little bit harder if 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 those two plus kitty plus shay are just just awesome um i don't think they change anything about roster construction for this year and maybe even for next summer because if this if those two players are what they can be it's not that you necessarily have more you're you're going to rush into uh, the next acquisition you're actually looking at the margin and saying okay i have four players that are very complementary what is the fifth starter or the second guy off the bench who allows, allows me to be a little bit better and a little bit more consistent on what i need maybe it's a backup center maybe it's um someone a little bit better than Mitzic as your point guard off the bench stuff like that yeah to, to me it's it doesn't even i will if they're that good i don't even go to acquisitions at all what i do is double down on what's been going on sure, and like, sure. no my point is you do stuff on the margin like you have a 15-man roster you may try to say that Mitzic has a good season but not yeah. a great one and you have the opportunity to maybe pay two single rounders and Mitzic to get a slightly better version these are the moves that you can do in the summer yeah like to say okay let's see yeah I I just think you continue to push and you're just like waiting on the inevitable overlapping primes that these guys have in like sure two years where it's like I think they can be really good this year in two years though whenever Shea's like 27 and these other guys they played together for two full seasons and you get to see what they actually look like that's the moment where I think everything is really just going to come together and they could click some this year I still think there's going to be bumps in the road Mm -hmm. but if they can be a home court advantage team in the playoffs this year which is a high end outcome without a doubt. I think you I think you because of their age because they're still so young. I I think it's more likely to see like Pressy double down on trying to bring in like young guys and develop them along with the with these players and like hope that a case of Wallace pops and hope that a Usman Jang pops or like one of those guys uh, maybe Lou Dort gets better. Maybe Lou Dort finds himself in a position with this starting five that makes more sense than taking all the wing threes and all the drives that he had in the past years, yeah. but finds himself in a position where it's, hey, take like four corner threes a game, and then I score opportunistically in transition. Like That's how, that's how my game has evolved. And if that's what happens, I, th- I think that you know maybe you don't have to go and make acquisitions right away. Um, I, I think that there's honestly, if, if it were me, I would just stay completely locked in <laughs> to to where I'm headed. If if all these guys are that good, it wouldn't cause me to make any sudden movements or want to do anything different. One, because even if they are really good this year, and even if they are a home court advantage team this year, I doubt that they're ready to like go win a playoff series or multiple playoff series. Like you have to be like battle. Well, you have to be well, battle well. tested in order to well, well, to well. get there. My point is, if you are like ten and two, or after twenty games you are on pace for fifty, my point is, just maybe just don't play lineups that you know that are just experimental, because I think that 
in that sense, like if I you see you that, that's like, not going to happen. Promise you. Like I, I'll bet. Like yeah, I'll bet like thirty yeah, but pieces also, right now. At some that's point, not happen. when when Shay is on, hey, if we win fifty five, I will win MVP. That is something that they will have to face, and I'm not entirely sure. I, I mean, let's be clear. I don't think that OKC is ready to win 50, 52 this year. So yeah. this is a very hypothetical scenario. But if they were, it means that Chet is awesome uh, mm -hmm. and, and Shea is, again, all-NBA talent. Yeah. But if they are on par to win as many games, he's really in the MVP discussion. Yeah. And at some point, I know that individual stuff should not be ahead of team goals. But I would be like... In a, in a meaningful game, I don't see Dignal playing Poku, um, I, don't, I don't know, Poku, Jang lineups when the game is on the line. Let's put it this way. Maybe yeah. a little bit, which is exactly what they did when they had to go to the uh, playing tournament or they tried to be in the playing tournament. Their rotation shrunk a little bit because, it, I mean, it really was didn't, this It really didn't down the stretch, though. Some of it shrunk because of injuries. But like, yeah. it didn't really. That's a, that's. I was about to bring it up because I thought it was really interesting down the stretch of the season that Mark had an opportunity to abandon everything that they had done to just yeah. win the games, and they he really stuck to the principles that they want to stick to. Yes and no. I mean, Poku was nowhere to be seen in the last five games. Yeah, some of that was injury related, though. Yeah, with Poku. I think if Poku was fully healthy and like ready to go, I think he would have played. Hmm. But I just th I, I I found it very interesting because he could have completely abandoned all of it. Just say like we're not doing we're not doing this anymore. We're not playing lineups just to find out what's going on. And they kind of stuck to it. And then once you get to the play-in game, like you can't do that in the play-in game. Like you have to you have to you have to like figure out like what's your fastball. But I do think that it's genuine when Presti says that they believe it's an advantage to do different stuff night to night and not be predictable. Like yeah. I, you, I mean, we could time. We could sit there with a stopwatch just knowing the time that the game started and maybe if someone informed us of timeouts. We could sit there and time Scotty Brooks's rotations oh, yeah. and just know like, just somebody, all you, all I need is a clock and somebody to tell me when the timeouts are, when the game stops. I don't need to watch the game at all. I can tell you when Kevin's coming in. I can tell you when Kevin's coming out. You sure. know, I can tell you exactly what the rotation is. And obviously, like with like the big name guys, you can like with Shea, like you know he's playing the whole first quarter. You know he's going to play almost the whole fourth quarter. Like you know those things are going to happen. But then with everything else, it's just like we don't know. We don't like. I think there's going to be a game where it's like, hey, Casey Moss is playing 28 minutes tonight. You know, the next night, hey, Casey Wallace played 12 minutes tonight. You know, yeah. Bert and Berton's played, or, and Mitzic played a bigger role. And right now, the, the rotation is going to be limited just because they just don't have any other big men mm -hmm. at this point because Jay Will is out, Poku's still out, Kenrich is out. Like that, those are some like pretty big losses when it comes to physicality and like just being bigger. And so they're, they're going to play smaller, they're going to play faster. And, you know, it's good that nobody in the starting lineup is affected, but those guys off the bench are kind of a big deal for them. But to answer the question, does it push the timeline forward? No. <sighs> I think the thing that would push the timeline forward is if they could win a playoff series. 
it's not necessarily like counting stats. It's do they go to the playoffs? And th- that's a big that's a big step in itself. But if they went to the playoffs and won a series this year, let's say they were in like a four or five series with the Grizzlies or with somebody like that, and they won, then I would say, yeah, I'll push the timeline forward. I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else that I would say that it's worth pushing the timeline forward for, even if like they did what they did in 2010, where it's like win six games, you know, in the in the playoffs, um, or not six games, go to six games in the playoffs. Yeah, I just think there's not a whole lot to me outside of winning a playoff series that would completely change the way I think about this team. Um, all right, we got to we got to fire through. That's one question. We're 18 minutes into this podcast. I've got like 60 questions, I think. Wow. We're, we're not okay. getting to all your questions, and I am sorry about that. Uh, at Benelephant King, another wonderful listener, uh, what are the things from the regular season that would build your confidence that the Thunder is adequately stress-tested for the postseason? Comebacks, beating title contenders, true breakout by non-SGA players, prolonged dominant defense. I, I don't think that there's a stress test in the regular season for the playoffs. Like, I just don't think it really exists. I mean, you look at the Cavaliers. Does anybody remember how the Cleveland Cavaliers ranked during the season last year? Offensive rating of, they were 8th, 115. You know what they were in defense? First, 109. In net rating, second overall in the NBA. And what happened come playoff time? They lost to the seventh in net rating, New York Knicks, in the playoffs. There is not a stress test for the playoffs in the regular season. It doesn't matter if you are, I mean, they were top 10 in offense and defense, and number one in defense. Even if the Thunder did that, I would still caution people like, hey, hold up on thinking that they can just go in and beat somebody because. We just saw, like, Cleveland obviously has the talent to do a lot of things this season and last season, but you can't rush the age of players and their readiness for the postseason. Nor the one of the coach. Yeah. Like, I know that, I mean, Mark Mark Dignold looks and feels has a very good coach, Mm. a coach that can make adjustment, a coach that is not really attached to um, principles. Uh, let, let me phrase this in a, in a way that sounds um, as a compliment and not as a, something against him. The fact that he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't feel like a guy who would start Steven Adams five games if he, if he feels that that is not the thing that works the most. Yeah. Um, so I think that he is very flexible, very... The, the, the basketball that OKC plays is beautiful, just beautiful. Does that mean that in a stress situation, he will he make the all the correct decisions? Nobody knows. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, the, the stress level of a playoff series is something different for anybody. Yep. And the same goes for all the guys. Um, that said, there are things to look for during the regular season, which is how do you react in games, uh, especially against good teams that are trying to kill you, mm-hmm. what is your what is your mo? You melt 
like OKCD against Minnesota in the second plane, or you you hold, you don't allow the team to just dismantle you and you and you hit back. And who hits back? Is it always Shea? Or is it someone else? Yeah. That's a great so these, that's that's a great barometer. Also, what happens when you lose three games in a row in January and the sky feels like it's falling? And this is something Presti says too. The sky falls on teams every year, like three times a year. The sky's gonna fall. Yeah. How do you react to that? I think they reacted very well last year to that. The sky Even fell at the end of the season. Yeah, the sky fell multiple times for them last year. The beginning of the season. I remember they played Detroit. They were supposed to beat Detroit. They it was were, an atrocious game. They were killing them in the first half and then came out in the second half, thought the, the Pistons were just going to roll over, and they lost to that team. And they bounced back. I think they actually lost the next game to Milwaukee, but they but they bounced back in a spirited way that made you feel good about the team. And then... The way that they had to, it, it was tough down the stretch of the season because one, you're missing Kenrich Williams, who is somebody they really needed, frankly, mm-hmm. down the stretch of the season. And Shea had COVID, and that it felt like it was over. It felt like pack it up, like, yeah, it's over. And then they were able to figure it out and got themselves to the play-in and won a game in the play-in, and. I mean, a lot of people forget, like, Shea got hurt, you know, pretty badly in that Minnesota game. Like, had his face broken, basically, in that yeah. playoff game, or that play-in game, and came back, and I we were at a down-to-dunk watch party for that, and when Shea came back, like, the crowd just went nuts, like, even just at this restaurant, you know? So, like, people are excited and, like, really want, you know, playoff Thunder basketball, but um, you can't simulate it. You can't fake it. It just it, it just is. And there's just not a whole lot that you can do uh, beyond that. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. I know that we are 25 minutes in and just two questions. Two questions. But yep. the consistency, night in and night out, which is part of what I said. But, I mean, if you look at the Golden State Warriors that won 72 games, um, it, it you need to be extremely focused and consistent to be able to generate wins maybe not even 72 maybe not even 60 but you need to be at your best every single night which is what happened what did not happen against detroit in that second half Mm -hmm. you can't have second halves like that one yep yeah it's true consistency is is key and it's also why it's unlikely that they're like some juggernaut team today because they're so yeah. young and asking for exactly. consistency this early is asking a whole lot. And if they were able to pull it off, they are something truly, truly special. Um, and Dagnold is truly, truly special. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> right now, Mark has not had criticism at all thrown at him. One, because yeah. people don't know who he is. And two, because they were not they're not supposed to win yet. They weren't supposed to win yeah. last season as much as they did. That's great. Now there's a there's a little bit of pressure there. Not a whole lot, but there's some pressure there. If they disappointed, I don't think anybody's gonna care. I don't think anybody's gonna think all that differently of them. But Mark might start to get a little bit of pressure himself that has not that has been 
he's been completely out of the spotlight. No one ever thinks about him. But when you have a group that's talented, things start to fall on the coach. Ask Scotty Brooks. After they won 50 games, he was under the microscope. Even though he took the team to the finals. Holy smokes. He was put under the microscope. And for good reasons, he was. But it happened. Um, We haven't talked about the cinnamon toast roster crunch being solved. Um, Jack White was waived um, yesterday. So that that's that. Trey Mann stays. Jack White's gone. It's, that seemed like the most likely outcome to me. Uh, I still don't think it's a guarantee that Trey sticks with the team throughout the rest of the season. Um, but he's with the team for now. And that's that. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was waived today by the Rockets. And I think we'll have a landing spot. Uh, I would be surprised if he if he didn't. But there are teams in need. There's somebody that mentioned Memphis to me that could mm-hmm. use a big. Like, yeah, they need they need somebody. Uh, man, I feel so bad for Steve-O. That's just so terrible. <laughs> Ter- terrible for the Grizzlies. Terrible for Steve-O. Uh, hope he gets well soon. But season-ending surgery is just, I mean, that's just such a bummer. And a huge blow to them. Like, now no no Steven Adams, no job for 25 games. He was going to be a huge stabilizer to them and not having him is a, is a huge, huge deal. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, okay, next question comes from at time for time form US figs. Can't be it. Uh, we <laughs> we haven't seen many giddy threes in the preseason. Is his shot going to continue to improve? So I have the numbers behind Josh Giddy's preseason. Do you know do you know what they are? I think that I remember two trees. He is 0-4 from three in the preseason. He took four threes in 89 minutes. So he was not not looking to take them all that much. The only guys that took less were Kenrich, but he only played 28 minutes, or no, no, 26 minutes. Uh, Jack White took three, and then Olivier Sar took two. And, and Olivier Sar made one. He did, one of two. 50%, Amazing. 50% shooter. Amazing. Um, 
I think that the chat factor allows him to be less of a three-point shooter, less of a guy that waits for the ball that to comes to come from for him, and more of a screen move, relocate, attack the basket off the dribble kind of thing because the space is a little bit more. Um, but I saw like whenever Chat was not on the court and there was no Shea. Um, I mean, if if you well, even even with Chat on the court, but with with the Olivier Sar as the the other starter, the space was not there, and Giddy not shooting is not helping that. Um, I don't know what what to expect about Giddy um, about Giddy's shot. I think that it's reasonable to think that this year will be a little bit better, maybe, mm. but not a ton better. Especially because I think that he will take less because yeah. Chet will take many trees. Yeah. And if Lou Dort is a guy that uh, sticks to the corners uh, where he can make more, I think, then you have four shooters. Well, three shooter plus Dort on the starting unit and Dort occupies corners. So Giddy doesn't have the need to be um, this volume three-point shooter. Yeah. And historically, Lou Dort has been good from the corners. So... Let's hope that history is right. If he can continue to occupy corner threes only, we should be in good shape. He is a career 40% shooter from the corners. Yeah, which is not ideal in general. But if you take just those or like 80% of your trees are corner trees, yeah, 40% is still like 1.2 point per possessions, which is elite. So, I mean, it's fine. Again, yeah. there are the shooters have way better percentage from from the corners like even 50 percent some shooters but it, but it's like if you if your shot diet is mainly corners then 40 is more than fine yeah yeah i mean we're talking about lou dort here michele we're not talking about like <laughs> i don't know pj tucker like what what, what what's your what's his percentage from the corners Bertans i think is it's 50 percent for his career from the corners no Bertans say no but a guy like pj tucker who yeah. really was able to he, take a diet in terms of shooting. Well, yeah, he's been in the league for forever just because yeah. of that. He is from the corners 38% for his career. Yeah, I imagine something a little bit less than 40. But still, I mean, it's a shot that you probably leave, but it's a shot that like you you, you probably close out late yeah. uh, on, on P.J. Tucker. Uh, you try to make him take the ball away from the corners. But it's but it's still a good, a good shot for you to to generate as an offense, even if it's mm -hmm. just thirty eight percent from the corners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the difference is, Lou took a majority of his threes from the wing. Yeah, and in in last season, I think he took like seventy seven percent of his shots from the wing, and twenty three percent from the corners. PJ Tucker took ninety one point four percent of his corner from his of his. Uh, three-point shots from the corner, which means he probably took like two wing threes. <laughs> you know, like he just didn't, one, he just didn't take very many shots. Like, all together, yeah. didn't take very many shots. But when he did, it was just corner threes. And, if like, Lou Dort is a much better offensive player than P.J. Tucker ever dreamed of being. P.J. Tucker has never averaged more than nine points per game. So, like, Lou Dort is just a point-blank better offensive player than P.J., but for this kind of team, you you would like to see him not look exactly like PJ's game because I just don't think 
that's right for Lou, but you want to see it look more like it in the fact yeah. that it's like much, he's much more of a spacer from the corners and, and still like people don't guard PJ Tucker. Like no one cares. Yeah, exactly. in the corner is, is part of the problem. It's a late closeout. And if Lou Dort starts to hit at around corner areas, around 40%, yeah, defenses will adjust. I mean, 40%, it's, again, 38, it's around a good offense. 120 yeah. is a great offense. And yeah. so if, if you're, like, other choices to leave Shea open, you probably don't do it. But if the, the, the other chance is to just maybe hedge a little bit, uh, on on a guy like Giddy, you do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful for Ludort's for his career in general. But I know you are. I also I just like him. I like the guy. I think he's great. I think he's awesome. I hope he succeeds in in this life and particularly with the Thunder. I'd love to see it. Uh, let's see. Next question from at Tyler Nevins. Rank these three in order of total minutes played for OKC this season. Poku, Jang, and Bertans. Um, Jang, Bertans, Poku. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, next question at it's Seju underscore. Thoughts on the City Edition jerseys? What do you think, McKelly? Um... I have no idea how they look like because I spent the last two days in a parallel universe, and so I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna try to pull them up um, to to and put them here in the stream. I don't mind them; they look uh, a little bit like the We Believe Warriors uh, jerseys, so I kind of like that about them. I think these are ones that will look better on than they do is just like a jersey sitting there um sorry i did a google search and like we haven't we haven't put these on on google yet um so yeah i do i actually kind of like them i know the the general consensus online and this is just the general consensus online for everything that ever happens is that we just don't like it. <laughs> there, are, there are very few things I feel that are released to the public that people are just like, oh, I just really, I love this. This is so good. Um, here's the City Edition jerseys. This was leaked uh, last night, oh, I, I believe. Yeah, better than many things that OKC did. To yeah, be I, I, think, I think on they're going to look really good. I think they're going to look really good. I think in photos with the players wearing them, they're going to look really good. I can see what people that wouldn't like them off the jump, but... I don't mind them. I think they're pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> see, like people like Grape Ape, terrible. Doesn't like them. That's okay. That's okay. If you don't like them, that's okay. I I just I don't mind them. I don't think a whole lot. Of, I don't think a whole lot about it though. Uh, okay, let's go back to some more questions. Um, at Antonio Gons underscore. I believe it's double underscore for Antonio Gons. Do you think the Thunder will have five players averaging 15 points per game? 15 no. points or more per game. How many do you think there'll be? So Three and a half. Shea. Over under. Yeah. Dub. Yeah. Chet. Yes. And then, I mean, I think, there, I think Giddy could do it too. I think there could be four. 
Um, it really depends on how many shots she takes, I think. Yeah. To some degree. Um, I think if, if the efficiency is high and the pace is high, they have a chance to be four. Uh, if the efficiency is a little bit less, then I, I can't see one of Giddy or Chet being around like 14 and a half, 14.8, something like that. Especially Giddy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Giddy will have the same volume of shots that he had last year. I think the Chet picks into that and into Dort. Yeah, I think Dort's, I don't think there's a chance for five. I do think that there's a chance for four. Yeah. Is what I would say to that. And I think it will be the core four. Shea, Giddy, Dub, Chet will average all 15 points or more, which has not really been done very many times in Thunder history. I think it's been done once. I think it was the 2020 team that did that. Um, With Dennis, CP3, Gallo. CP3, Gallo, Schroeder, Shea. Shea, yeah. So it's it's certainly possible. Also, when we look back in Thunder history, it's like, oh, this hadn't been done. The possessions were so much lower. Like the yeah. offenses were so much worse. We took so much fewer, so many fewer threes. Some of it will be, some of this will be about Chet's efficiency from three, too. Like if he can be a highly yeah. efficient player from three, bank 15 points or more from him, period. If he shoots on like the low yeah, 30s. Yeah, but also if like, you think about we'll see. The, 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 the example that we made about 2020 season, they were all below 20. In shots per Are game, they? you mean? No, oh, in oh, points. Oh, in points per game? I think Shea hit 20. Well, either 19 and change or 21 and change. Yeah. They were close. He was close to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I understand the the hesitancy with it. Uh, Shea was 23. Nope, that was that's the wrong year. 1920. Um, yeah, Shea was 19. Chris Paul, 17. Schroeder, 18. Gallo, 18. And then Steve-O, 10. Almost 11. Yeah. But I, I think it can be... Some of it, like you said, will depend on Shea and, and what he does. Um, if Shea goes for 30, I don't think that there is space. If Shea goes for 26, 27, yeah. efficient 20, 20 25, that, 20. That would be my prediction, is that Shea doesn't get yeah. to 30 again. Um, this yeah. year, that he's at like 26 and a half or something per game. Six and six. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, and maybe none of them will reach Schroeder's 19 points per game, but maybe it's like 15, 17, 17 or something like that. Yeah. You know, I think that's possible with this squad. Uh, and then everybody else just has to fill in the gaps. So I think it's possible. Again, we haven't seen what this looks like yet. Um, this question kind of dives into this a little bit, too. Uh, we can kind of continue this conversation. At post Jimmer, SGA appears committed to sacrificing his personal stats and usage to maximize the flow and rhythm of the broader offense. Does that result in him averaging significantly fewer points per game than last year? And if so, how does that affect his perception with the national media who won't watch the games? Again, I don't think that um, lowering a lot is what will happen. I think that Shea will have easier shots. And the product of that is generating more efficient offense. I think that Shea can average easily 26, 
next year. Well, yeah. not easily, but he can surely oh, average that It will number. be easily because if he gets to the free throw line 10 times a game, that's just like 10 points. That's just like, here's 10 points. <laughs> here's just 10. You start with 10 points every game. Yeah. Like that's what he did last year. On average, he started, you basically just handed him 10 points and then said, go get the other 20. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still not easy, but I mean, obviously it's Shea not easy, do. but 26 would with in with this team, I think would be easy. There's there's also the element, and this was brought up on the Basketball Buds show today, that um, Josh Eustace was on with Jay King and Zach Harper, that if the Thunder are in really close games all season long, Shea could average 30 again. Because if it's f- five minutes left, it's like, Shea, save us. Like, go... Go score. Is know, it though? Eight points. I really. That really depends on how Dub plays. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, Dub is awesome. Let's 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 be hundred percent clear. I I think that Shea can average again 25, 26, 27, 30 even. But if J Dub is as good as some of the numbers and some of the looks that he's getting uh, suggest, that guy will take fifteen shots. And he will be. That's why I think that the four is shaky to me because I, I would bet, I would be more comfortable betting in that being a twenty point per game score mm-hmm. than OKC having four guys above fifty. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, and this will not happen because I predicted last year that uh, Trey Mann was off for a great season and it didn't, clearly didn't happen. So maybe I, I'm jinxing it for J Dub. But I, I mean, every time I look in play, I see a guy who knows what to do and, and just he's improving on both ends. He's generating offense by, with his defense. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing stuff that a second year guy should not do. I mean, he guarded Giannis in a productive way and yeah. he was like on offense going like crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe at the end of the game, Shea plays the right way and make the right pass and screens for J-Dub and does stuff like that. Will it happen every single time? No. Mm-hmm. Will it happen? I really hope so because this is what he will, in the end, create the best version of OKC and also the best version of Shea because if, if the guy that is guarding you know that it's, hey, he's going to get to the rim. You just have to, to like lure him to a bad shot and just if he scores, he scores, mm-hmm. but he will never pass. If it's, hey, you are on your toes because this guy can drive at you, take a shot, pass the ball, rescreen, do an end off. Like it changes completely the perspective of how how do you guard OKC late in games? Mm-hmm. Is it Shea Show like it was Rush Show? Or is it, oh no, you have to really pay attention because they play. They they really play even if it's just 40 seconds. Yep. Yep. Uh, next question comes from at MKR2400. She asks, who are the difference makers on the coaching staff besides the head coach? I don't know much about the assistants that likely play a role in development. It would be nice to have a breakdown or more info on who gels well with some of the Thunder starters, etc. So like, there's like five guys that are the main assistant coaches to Mark. Chip, mm-hmm. Chip England is one like that we, that we know. Yeah, David Akinyoye, 
Grant Gibbs, yeah. Dave Bliss, and Mike Wilkes. Like those are like the yeah. the core uh, of the coaching staff. Where Mike Wilkes is like very much on the developmental side, and a guy that was basically like with Giddy like his entire rookie season to like mm-hmm. help him with the shot and help him just to get acclimated. And I think that he's really good at kind of gelling with younger guys for sure. Dave Bliss is like a defensive coach. Um, I've seen Akinoya works, does like a ton of film work with guys and like sits with guys and works with them individually on a lot of stuff. I've seen him work with Lou Dort a ton on stuff. Um, And Grant Gibbs is also like a lot of development from Grant Gibbs. I mean, he was the, the head coach of the blue. And so there's a lot of developmental stuff going on, um, with with Grant. So like those are the guys. They all obviously work together on a lot of stuff and they're all very focused Who's the on, lead assistant? on development. Is it Bliss? I think Dave Bliss would probably be considered the lead assistant. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I think that's right. So there's but they they all work in like a flow together too. So I mean there there's a lot going on um with that coaching staff. But those are like the core guys. Um, all really good guys. Next question. Let's see. A lot of Poku questions. Shout out to shout out to Poku. Get well soon, Poku. Uh, at uh, DJF underscore two three. What does Casey Wallace have to do to make the starting lineup? I just don't think he does this season. I don't think that'll happen this year. Um, that's a, probably a good question for for next year if he has a really good rookie season. But I don't really foresee the starting lineup changing unless he is just like like Dub was last year, where it's just like you can't deny this man. Yeah. Like a, a it also position. I mean he can be awesome and just if Dort is as awesome, he will not will not get the the starting gig. Yeah. I mean Kaysen will have to be as productive in terms of defensive metrics mm-hmm. as he looked at times during the preseason, and he just needs to shot the ball very very well in order for it to be even a question mm-hmm. at ml chuckles will the chet wimby chet versus wimby become a rivalry that is recognized nationally i think it already is yeah like it's just already done like the nba booked that before 100 they yeah. played that preseason game like yeah book that at uh ducky wants to know who on the roster solidifies themselves as the number two option this is a great question i think it's a question that i am very intrigued uh, to see, but right now you have to give an answer, McKelly. Who's the number two option? I think it's Dub for this season. Yeah. I think I already did it for um, a TQ after a game for Thunder After Dark, and mm-hmm. I think that next year it will be Dub. In two years, I don't know. I think it's Chet. Really? Yeah. He's been really good, and he is. The biggest he's a tar he's such a big target for them. And I think his ability to create on his own too, like opens things up so much. Like if he like Evan Mobley is a really good player, but he's not somebody that can necessarily just create a ton for himself. And I think Chet has just a little bit more of that in him. And so I could see him being the second guy on this. If team. that is the answer. OKC will be much better than what we think. It's it's totally possible. It's totally possible that they are. 
Uh, let's see. At Andrew Germaland. With Chet not on the floor, we struggle against teams with multiple athletic bigs. He's thinking about the Pistons in the preseason, the Wolves' last postseason, on the boards, contesting shots. If Jay Will and Poku aren't the answer, is there a realistic player on the current trade or 2024 free agent market that fits our system? It's a good question. I, th- I think that that question will loom into next offseason. I, I don't think that that question is going to be answered on the trade market this season. I think that they want to give everybody a really fair shake that's on the roster now. I don't think the answer is Usman Jang. <laughs> um, I think Jay Will could be the answer to that question. We haven't seen like a Chet Jay Will rotation, you know, against yeah. a team like the Timberwolves. We haven't seen what that looks like, and we won't see what that looks like for a minute because of the the ankle. But um, or hamstring. What's the latest hamstring. on Jay Will? Three weeks, two weeks. It, it was like a. He's still got another week of evaluation, I think, or a little bit more than a week of evaluation before they evaluate him again, which probably means he's out another like couple weeks. So he'll probably mm-hmm. miss the first two weeks of the season, I would guess. Maybe he'll be come back a little bit sooner. There's a lot of Bertans then. Uh, could be a lot of Bertans. Probably a lot of Jang. Um, Poku could come back in time, so we might see a lot of Poku. So. Uh, let's see. Hmm. A lot of like trade questions. I just think that it's just too early to to think about trades. Uh, I'll ask you this again, just to get you on the record here, Mikhail, and then I probably need to go. What's what is your benchmark for a successful season? This is from at JS. Forty six wins. Forty six. Mm-hmm. He says the four seed in the West is a mark of success. I think that that's a little high for to say that it's successful. I think. I think okay, like, okay, okay. To, to uh, that make me satisfied. It's forty six. Yeah, this is an undeniable success, which means improvement. It's being in the playoffs directly. Yeah. That's that's whichever me. number of games you you need to win in order to achieve that. What if they? What if they? So you're not counting like make the what if they're what if they're the seventh seed, and then they win their first play-in game and get into the playoffs. I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. I th- I think that the, I I honestly think that that's a a. a Outcome it, that's likely <laughs> and a lot. I mean, and an if outcome. you're top six in the West, if you're top six um, in the West, you're really good. Like you're. you're I know you're that really is why it's it's really a successful really season. Yeah, it'll be a very successful season. To, for that to be the case, it's just. I know. I I, I think that if everything goes, in the, I mean, if you add Chet to last year's roster, you win 46, 47 games last year. I'm that's, quite convinced of that. That's the that's the and, four seed. That's a three seed. You're knocking on the door. Last the year, seed. yes, I think I think that last year they could have been like three seed or whatever. We chat on when playing. Okay, well, let's, okay, let's just run through it real quick before we go. Who do you think they are for sure better than? I'm not playing this game. I'm I'm saying the that game. the successful the season. Yeah, play the okay. game. Play the game. Come on, Denver for sure. Are they better? no? Memphis, possibly. That's not. That's not. That's not the. That's not the question. No, I. I know, Andrew. Are they for sure better? 
No. The Kings. No. The Suns. No. The Clippers. No. The Warriors. No. The Lakers. No. The Timberwolves. Not for sure. No. Okay. The Pelicans. Yes. Okay. Mavs. Yes. Okay. Jazz. Yes. Blazers, Rockets, Spurs. So there's five yes. five teams out of six or out of the fifteen. Please ask me the opposite. What's the opposite that they're the opposite is are they for sure worse than this team? I would put the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. and the Golden State Warriors. That's it. That's it. Not even the Lakers. No. Wow. For sure? For are sure. you betting? Are you willing to bet on the Lakers having a better season than the Thunder? For sure. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. That, that is my point. I'm not. I'm not. For, no. for I would bet that Suns, Denver, and what's the other team? Um, Warriors is what you said. Warriors, yes. That they will have. I, I, would, I would put money if I was a betting man on those three teams. Yeah. And be slightly, be okay. And they can still the win more games than the Warriors. Because the Warriors are old. The Warriors are old. Yes, the Warriors are old, but the Warriors are a machine. They a machine that included one of the best regular season stabilizer in the entire globe. Yeah. A player that makes young players playing in a, in a good way. And I think that, that Kuminga will have a very good season because Chris Paul is there. And I think that they will... They'll win 46, 47, 48 wins. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know. I mean, injuries, though, is the thing that's, that could do sure. them. Very much more okay. easily. My, my point exactly. Phoenix and the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 those are the guarantees. Yes. Those are the guarantees. Isn't it my point? You can, I mean, if you're half, if you're, Glass half full, you go with Michele's point. If you're a glass half empty, you go to my point, I guess. That's where, <laughs> where it is. But we are saying Lines. that the, the, the range, the actual range that we expect, it's between... That's the, that, that is like a good point of like where the range is. Like Nine could, and four. Yeah. Nine and to, to four, me, which is... Yeah. A successful season means being in the top half. Yeah. So seven is kind of a sweet spot where I, I could be seven, happy anyway. Se- seven is a like mid mid outcome for them. It's not a low. It's not a low outcome for them, but it's a mid outcome for them. Where you're just like, yeah, it was a good. Se- they had a good season. Like they made some progress. They're, yeah, they're seven seed. They made the playoffs. Yeah, this is gonna be such a fun season, man. I cannot. I cannot wait for it to start Wednesday night. It starts Wednesday night. In just two days, we get real Thunder basketball back in our lives. Uh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's fun to see them back in the in the limelight again, where people are noticing them nationally. Um, very, very interesting. Very, very fun. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Be sure to tell people about our podcast. If you are talking to people about the Thunder, just throw them a link to Down to Dunk and to our YouTube page in particular. Uh, That would be very, very helpful. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.